welcome back. This is the last video I am recording for this day. So if you notice, I'm wearing the same shirt in all these videos. That's because I am recording as many of these at once during this Christmas week. And like I said, I want these done and put together um, so they're available for whoever needs them. And I hope it'll be a benefit to somebody and some people throughout the years. Um, it's a lot easier than having to do them over and over and over. But doing it once, hopefully that's all I have to do it. Uh, so we are now in the second table of the law. Um, if you clicked on the link, you saw right there the image of love your neighbor as yourself. That is the summary, the second table of the law. And this is commandments 4 through 10. Now, the thing is, is out of the commandments, these commandments are the ones that have the biggest controversies in our modern day. And so I'm going to jump right into this because some of these commandments, it's going to take a little while to go through. All right. So uh, let me get started here. Uh, commandment number four. I'm going to read it here in a little bit once I get to it. it says, honor your father and your mother. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. All right, so the fourth commandment is if you ever want to look to see if you are a sinner. So, you know, when we went to, through worship and we did the confession and absolution, I said, we said, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you, all my sins and iniquities. If you ever need evidence that you are a poor, miserable sinner, just look at that commandment. Have you always honored your father and your mother, your parents? And I'm pretty certain if I asked your parents, they'd say, no. You disobeyed them many, 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 many times. So there's that part. But the thing is, the fourth command, so the the obvious implications of the fourth command is about how we relate to our parents. We are to honor them. We are to obey them. And there are difficulties in this commandment. And a lot of those difficulties come from what if you have bad parents, abusive parents, um, especially abusive, neglectful. And, yeah, that's hard. How can you honor them when they are that way? You're still commanded to. And that's hard. And this is where it gets even farther. So, like many, I've been blessed to have wonderful parents. Um, Eva, I've had I have had a great father, um, a wonderful mother, and now a wonderful, and I have a wonderful stepmother too. And so, I've been blessed in that capacity. And so, I don't I don't have that experience of having a bad father, a bad mother, um, abusive, neglectful. But I know many of you do. And so it's hard to hear that you're supposed to honor them. You're supposed to still obey them. Now understand, if they ever tell you, now I'm going to put this disclaimer right up off the bat, that if they ever tell you to do something contrary to God's law, contrary to what God teaches and commands, it is your duty to disobey them. You're not commanded to obey them in that case. But if they tell, but otherwise you're supposed to honor them and obey them. And that is very difficult because some parents are just rotten. And I wish that we weren't in a world like that, but we are. Um, we are commanded to um, honor our government. 
So this is where so it talks about so if you look at the meaning, it says that you should not despise or anger our parents in other authorities. So who's the other authorities? Well, I'm going to go right to the most obvious one, and that's the government. And this is one that in our day and age we keep we have troubles with. So right now, if as I am recording this, unless you've been living in a cave you know there's quite a bit of conflict in Washington right now between our, our House of Representatives and our President and our Senate. And just recently, President Donald Trump was impeached, voted to be impeached. Um, those articles of impeachment have not passed on to the Senate yet. But what you are witnessing is a great difficulty in honoring those authorities because if you're a democrat you probably are having difficulties honoring president trump for various reasons if you are a de if you are a republican and i think even some democrats you are having troubles honoring that democratic representatives because of the way this whole thing has gone on but in you know, this has been the case throughout the history of the world. You know, think of back at the think of Nixon and the um, Watergate scandal, um, Clinton, and the thing with Monica Lewinsky. We have we have plenty of history in our country of reasons that it's difficult to honor our government, but even more difficult when you're in countries like Germany in 1940, and your leader is Adolf Hitler, or you're in the Soviet Union, and it's Joseph Stalin, or in Italy, Benito Mussolini, or it's you're, it's Mao in China. This is tell you're still supposed to honor them, cherish them, obey them. That is difficult. All authorities, including those government, you think where's you getting this from? You're just making this up. Romans thirteen, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Yes, you got to pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. And of course the common rebuttal is so people say, well you don't understand. Paul doesn't understand what it's like to be with corrupt governments like ours. And I'm like, doesn't he? He's talking about Emperor Nero. Nero was a tyrant, quite sadistic. 
in the way he treated especially Christians. Nero is the guy that would eventually order the execution of Paul, have him beheaded. Nero is the guy that blamed the Christians for the burning of Rome. Nero is the guy who lit the streets of Rome with the burning bodies of Christians as if they were torches. <clears throat> so, I mean, these are the type of people he's telling you, and yet he's telling the people in Rome under rule of that same Nero that you are to honor him, that you are to be subject to him. See, the fourth commandment is not easy. And by the way, Lutherans try to say, oh, well, he doesn't really mean it. It's like, well, if you're a Lutheran, yes, you do. It's in our, it's in the table of duties. Paul, very, Luther understood it. Pretty much every early Christian understood exactly what that meant, that it was talking about how you relate to the government. Yes, they are one of the, honoring the government is part of the fourth commandment. That means you're driving down the interstate. And the speed limit is 70 miles per hour. You don't go 75 because that is a violation of the fourth commandment. Fourth commandment is honored also in the way we treat our employers. So if you have a job and you have a boss, you you're, the way you treat them, that is a keeping of the fourth commandment. If you are dishonoring of them, disobedient to them, that breaks the fourth commandment. If you're if you're in school and you have a teacher, if you're rude, you're talking, um, you're texting, you're whatever you're doing when you're supposed to be listening and learning, that's a violation of the fourth commandment. So there are so many ways that we break this commandment. Uh, let's go to the fifth commandment, right? And so, and by the way, one of the things that is actually in this commandment that's not included in most of our, mo our modern versions of Luther's catechism, but usually it says, it says, let it be well um, that you may live on this earth, long on this earth. And there is a promise in that commandment that um, if you keep it, you live longer. And there's, it's not actually kind of like um, good works theology. It's just logical. When you obey your parents and you don't do things like go out into the middle of the street without looking both ways, you don't touch the hot stove, those type of things, yeah, you tend to live longer. It's just kind of a logical thing. So, fifth commandment. You shall not murder. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. So, murder. You think, <laughs> I don't murder anyone. Yeah, kept that one. Well, murder, I mean, there's the obvious, straightforward, like Cain killing Abel. Um, an issue that is very much in there is abortion, euthanasia, assisted suicide. That is murder. Um, abortion is the killing of a child, which is a human being. Um but it even goes, that's, and yes, abortion's a very, very big issue. And it's kind of interesting in our culture, is our culture is very tense, in very strong tensions right now when it comes to abortion. Um, we just saw that the Green Bay Packers um, are supporting things like Planned Parenthood. Um, the Chicago Bears are supporting pro-life groups. 
Go figure. The Bears are doing a little bit better than the Packers in that regard. Um, so there's – we see things like we're seeing a lot of push to put a, ends to late-term abortion bans. So much of our country has had a late-term abortion ban. We're seeing an end to that. We see countries that let people abort their children up to a month after birth. Um, it's, I mean, the whole idea of it is a total devaluing of life. Um, referring to the child as a invasive species, and it's not. It's the same species. It's actually a part of you. It's part of your body. Um, somebody I read somewhere on Facebook that somebody was comparing um, a baby in the womb to that of a tapeworm. And I'm like, no. Tapeworm is a completely different organism. This is – the child is from your cells, created from your cells, created from something that you did with another person. And that child is holy and precious in the sight of God. And abortion is reprehensible. It's reprehensible that we live in a society that finds it acceptable, okay to do. All right? So that's a big issue in murder, in the issue of murder. Um, questions come when it comes to murder. Uh, and I'm pull, trying to pull up some scripture here. Uh, one of the big issues that tends to come up is that, uh, you know, about military is killing a, someone else as a soldier. Is that murder? And generally, no. Uh, generally, no, that is, you know, what we just read in Romans 12. Um, you know, you don't carry the sword in vain. That's actually part of your duty. That also goes with the death penalty. They do have authority as God's governing authorities to execute people. But they can't go execute people willy-nilly. If they execute people willy-nilly and not giving any care as to who they do it, yeah, that's murder on the part of the government. Um, it's, you know, kind of similar to taxation. It's taxation theft. No, but excessive taxation is theft. So um, it's kind of, you're kind of having to look into the details. Uh, but here is a more common one. This is what Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. He says, You have heard that it was said unto those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, <clears throat> that whoever, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and or, or offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you'd be put in prison. So the main focus is those first few verses. And that is if you insult your brother, so your neighbor, and who's, who's your neighbor? This is an important question. So, well, who is my neighbor? The, the man asked Jesus. And Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. The point of it is 
every human being is your neighbor. And so if you insult another human being, if you tear down their reputations, don't speak well of them. If you say, oh, you fool, you idiot, you moron. Um, if you see somebody in need and you don't help them, they're hungry. You don't feed them. They're thirsty. You don't give them something to drink. You see them cold and out, and you and without clothing, and you don't clothe them. When you're able to do these things, you're essentially saying to this person, "No, I can't be inconvenienced by you. You just go freeze and die." Uh, actually, let me look this. Let's see if I can find where Luther actually talks about this. It says. So here it goes. So this is taken from the fifth, the large catechism. Luther writes, second, a person who does evil to his neighbor is not the only one guilty under this commandment. It also applies to anyone who can do his neighbor good, prevent or resist evil, defend and save his neighbor so that no bodily harm or hurt happen to him, yet does not do this. If therefore you send away someone who is naked when you could clothe him, You've caused him to freeze to death. If you see someone hungry and do not give him food, you have caused him to starve. So also, if you see anyone innocently sentenced to death or in similar distress and do not save him, although you know ways and means to do so, you have killed him. It will not work for you to make the excuse that you did not provide any help, counsel, or aid to harm him. For you have withheld your love from him and deprived him of the benefit by which his life would have been saved. God also rightly calls all people murderers who do not provide counsel and help in distress and danger of body and life. You'll pass a most terrible sentence upon them in the last day, as Christ himself has announced that he will say, I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. This means you would have allowed me and mine to die of hunger, thirst, and cold. You would have allowed the wild beasts to tear us to pieces or left us to rot in prison or perish in distress. What else is that but to rebuke them as murderers and bloodhounds? For although you have not actually done all this to someone, you have still, so far as you were concerned, let him wither and perish in misfortune. So, very harsh words from Luther, but that, you know, I guarantee it. There is somebody. You, I, have seen that we could have helped, and we didn't. We failed. You broke on the fifth commandment. You committed murder with your actions, with your neglect. So that's how we break the, that's the fifth commandment, right? Sixth commandment. You shall not commit adultery. What does this mean? We should lead, we should fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do in husband and wife, love and honor each other. All right, so we're going to deal with, there's, this is one that's got a lot of controversy and a lot of baggage to it. At the core of it, Adultery is to sleep with someone 
that is not your spouse. Okay. So, with a man or and has and with somebody and who is not your husband or wife. So, first off, it is simply cheating. Infidelity is the most common and easiest way. So you go start dating and kissing and spending time with someone who's not your wife or your husband, whichever the case. Um, or even if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, um, you're already putting in that practice of adultery. It is also practiced. Um, another point is when you sleep together outside of marriage. So you're not you're you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, even a fiance, but you're not married yet. And so you move in together. You sleep together. This would be a violation of this commandment uh, because you are not husband and wife yet. He said, well, we plan to be, but you don't know that. I've And I've had arguments with people that, oh, we're going to get married. You, how dare you tell me that? And guess what? They didn't get married, proving my point. Um, and so the question is, so, well, why not? Isn't this kind of just an old-fashioned teaching? It might be, but just because something's old doesn't mean it's false. Um, old-fashioned doesn't mean bad or not true. Uh, there's plenty of research out there from psychologists that show that sleeping, having sex outside of marriage is damaging to relationships. Uh, the divorce rate for those who have sex outside of marriage is significantly higher to those who wait. Um, same holds true for those who live together prior to marriage. And so premarital cohabitation. So both of these are very detrimental to a relationship and there's psychological reasonings for this. So in the case of cohabitation, it shows a lack of commitment to the individual that you're dating. Um, in the case of sex outside of marriage, um, there's a lot of biology and psychology that goes into it. Uh, whenever a person has um, you know, sex with one another, someone, there is such powerful... Um, emotions that goes off that you forever see one another in light of that moment or you see each other in that light of that moment for quite a while and a lot of times it can overshadow um, flaws that are very obvious and get you to oversee, overlook things and this is particularly potent in women so um, so this would be a violation of this commandment uh, the controversial part would be this is also same-sex marriage, same-sex relationships. So homosexuality would be a violation of this commandment. Uh, and because the very core of it is that God created us to be man and woman. Um, we are, And the purpose of the woman was to complete the man. God did not create another woman to be his helper, or another man to be his helper. He created woman. Man and woman were created for, woman was created for man for the purpose of being fruitful and multiply. That is what we're ultimately supposed to do. That was the very first commandment. Um, and that's the very core and the purpose of marriage is being fruitful and multiply. So in other words, having the raising and rearing of children. Um, this is not biologically possible um, with two men or two women without doing some ex crazy scientific stuff like in vitro fertilization with a so um, and things like that. 
But under normal circumstances, it is not possible. Now, some people say, well, what about people who um, there are couple, there are straight couples that don't have children? Yes, but that is because of a biological abnormality. There's something wrong in the body. That's a consequence of the effects of sin. That's not natural to their body. There's something unnatural going on in their body. Whereas a man and a man cannot reproduce because that is just the natural way of things. It has nothing to do with something being broken. That's just the way you are designed. All right? And furthermore, God created man and woman to complement one another. The strengths of man are not, many of the strengths of man are the weaknesses of women. And many of the strengths of women are the weaknesses of man. God created man and woman in complementary, in complement, it's a complement to one another. Man and man do not complement each other. Woman and woman don't complement each other. And this is this might play into the reason why there's an extremely high um, abuse rate amongst um, LGBT couples uh, because they're going to create tension because they're not complementing their Propelling, they're in friction. So now I don't 100% know if that's accurate, if that's the reason that that happens, but it seems to be that there may be something to it. Um, and so, and there might be, and some people might argue there's other factors like the stresses of society may cause it or whatever. Um, but biblically, it doesn't work. And honestly, homosexuality is. Uh, a rebellion against God's design for creation. And that's why it is condemned in such strong terms in the Old and New Testament. Um, and then there's the final, this is the more much, so I went through the controversial, the big applications of the Sixth Commandment. And here is the one that is the most common. Um, and by the way, divorce goes into this as well. Divorce for any reason other than infidelity is ultimately adultery. Um, it is a sin to get divorced. And people in our culture get divorced for the silliest of reasons. Well, we just don't love each other anymore. Um, that's not acceptable. That is a sin. Um, in the case of abuse, I would say um, if there's physical domestic violence, I would say that's a form of infidelity. So I would say that's acceptable. I know there's people that disagree with me, but I believe it is. And honestly, for the safety and well-being of you, um, the man or the woman, because men can be abused too, can be victims of violence as well. Um, for the safe, safety of both, um, whoever is the victim, you need to get out, and that's appropriate. But anyways, it says, this is what Jesus says. He says, you have heard that it was said you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with a lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you... Oh, sorry, I'm just going to stop there. So very simply, lust. Looking upon a woman or a man and they go, ooh, look at her. Look at that guy. And sexualizing her. And by the way, our culture is so bad at sexualizing. Um, Pornography is rampant. Um Movies and TV, look at the most scandally girls are dressed. You know, they, they sex, and we heard the old adage, sex sells. And that's what they do. They use sex to make money. They use, they play into our lustfulness. And that is adultery. 
you look at a girl that you go to school with or you work or a woman you work with or whatever, and you just go, oh, look how good she is. That is committing adultery with her in your heart. All right? So that is, by the way, by far the most common breaking of the seventh of the sixth commandment. That's the one every single one of us probably is breaking. Everyone that's past puberty is pretty much breaking this commandment. So seventh commandment. You shall not steal. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. So this is us just getting clever. And I mean, there's the obvious thing, just taking something that's not yours. That's stealing. Um, but it also could be as simple as scheming and being creative about ways to take things away from people. Um it could come from copyright infringement, stealing people's ideas. Um, that's very common in our in our day and age. Um, or quoting something without giving credit. Uh, there's all these different ways that we can find ourselves breaking um, the seventh commandment and not holding, being faithful unto it. Um, so. I think there's. I think it's, for the most part, this one is a pretty straightforward one, and the way we keep it is that we protect our neighbor's possessions, uh, we protect his income, protect his property, we help him to do better. We don't seek just our own well-being, our own financial well-being. We seek the financial well-being of our neighbor. We want good things to happen for everybody. All right. It's thinking. You know, much of keeping the commandments is thinking about of others more than yourself. You know. Uh, I'm going to go to the Eighth Commandment. And these last few commandments I'm pretty much going to blaze through because the big ones I've already gone through. But Eighth Commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. So this is basically dealing with lying. You don't lie. You don't say things happen that didn't happen. Um, you don't tear down your neighbor's reputation. This also plays into the sixth command. When you, for the fifth commandment, you shall not murder. Uh, we tear down somebody's reputation. It is murdering, but it also goes into the eighth commandment. Um, so we're supposed to speak well of them. We're supposed to build up one another, build up our neighbor, and say, "Oh, he's such a nice guy. He's such a wonderful person." Really got you really need to get to know him better. You hear people saying bad things about another person. Our job is to defend them, to speak up for them. You know, this is all part of loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, so yeah, you defend him, you speak well of him, explain everything in the kindest way. So you're you know, or you know, put the bet. Um yeah. So Put a positive spin on everything. Uh, speak well of others. Be positive. That's what you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to tear down people. Uh, now, the challenge some people say is, well, what about if somebody is teaching falsely? Should we not confront them in their false teaching? Actually, yes, you're supposed to. Um, but the thing is, there's a difference. Between, you don't attack the person. You attack the teaching. All right? 
Um, and that's something that's very important you try to do is you tack the teaching, not the person. Uh, because ultimately, it's to remember that the person that's teaching falsely, we have to see that they're a victim of the devil. And we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to love that false teacher. We may hate the false teaching. We don't hate the teacher. So we, our hope is to rescue the teacher from the false teaching and rescue the hearers. All right? <clears throat> and again, yeah, don't lie. You don't gossip. And boy, do we love gossip. Whether it be about people we know or famous people, we tend to love to gossip. So that's the Eighth Commandment. Ninth Commandment. You should not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. And I'm going to read the 10th commandment as well. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not entice or force away our neighbor's wife, workers, or animals, or turn them against them, but urge them to stay and do their duty. So at the crux of those two commandments, be content with what you have. Be content with your life. The opposite of contentment is covenant. It's looking at another man's wife and saying, man, I wish she were my wife. Or looking at a man's car or his tractor or his house and say, boy, I would love to have that one. <clears throat> Ultimately, it comes down to not being content with what you already have. And the thing is, is when you covet, it tends to lead to people bearing false witness. People tend to steal. People will murder. They'll commit adultery. They will dishonor their father and mother. They'll do all these things in the name of, of getting ending their in the name of their coveting. The ninth and tenth commandment are such a small commandment, it seems, but they are at the core, or they are the starting or the trigger of so many of the other sins that we break. And one of the and as we go through these commandments, one of the things hopefully you've read noticed is that we break every single one of them. And that is ultimately the purpose. The reason why Luther began this catechism with the law, with the commandments, is he was looking at the people, the Germans, and he was looking at them. They were not living the way Christians should live. These stubborn Germans. And so he wrote these commandments as a condemnation against them for the wretchedness, the sinfulness that they were living in, and the way that they were using the gospel as an excuse to fail to love their neighbor. And, you know, it's so, you know, this is Luther said, you know, yeah, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. You are called to love and serve your neighbor. Don't use the gospel as an excuse for it. So he starts with the law. This is to condemn. That's why he started it. Yes, it is a call to how we are to live, but ultimately, this is condemning. And God, and you read through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus demands perfection. And here's what the close of the commandment says it says, what does God say about all these commandments? Answer, he says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. 
but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. What does this mean? Answer, God threatens to punish all who break these commandments. Therefore, we should fear his wrath and not do anything against them. But he promises grace and every blessing to all who keep these commandments, and therefore we should also love and trust in him and gladly do what he commands. See, that's law. It says he promises, threatens to punish all who break these commandments. And we just went through, he break them all. That's the law. And if we've gone through this, I'm guessing if you're being honest, you feel pretty condemned, pretty rotten. This is why we said, you know, when I going through the confession and absolution, we say, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities. We are, I, I am a poor, miserable sinner. I hate to not to stop there and not give you the gospel. We talk about the forgiveness of sins, but there is forgiveness. There is hope in the midst of our sin. Um, I'm, not, I'm done recording for today, um, but tomorrow I'm hoping to come back and do some more recording. I'm probably start recording the videos um, on the on the on the creed, and it's in the creed that you're going to hear the gospel most of visibly spoken and talked about. So, until then, blessings to you. And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.